Welcome to the Inside the Junior Rain podcast. I'm your host, Ben Frank, and each and every week we give you an inside look on what goes on behind the scenes of a USA Hockey model association, the Junior Rain. We believe in learning, we believe in age-appropriate, long-term athletic development, and we believe we have the responsibility to harness the power of youth sports to create better athletes, better people, closer families, and a better world. Thank you for joining us, and together we can make youth hockey a life-changing experience. Hi everyone, and welcome to episode number three of Inside the Junior Reign, where we believe that together we can make youth hockey a life-changing experience. Uh, my name is Ben Frank, I'm your club president, and I'm joined here each and every week by our Chief of Hockey Operations, Paul Esdale. And today we're going to be sharing a powerful story of, of Paul's powerful story through his journey with the great sport of ice hockey as a youth player, professional player, as a coach, and how that's impacted his life and how that can impact uh, the journey of the kids uh, and families in our program and also hopefully outside of our program. Uh, stories are a great way to connect with and understand and learn. Um, and what we hope, the reason we do what we do is we hope that our experiences and things that we've gained through hockey, uh, we can give that back and, and help um, show, you know, show the kids coming up some things that they can learn and, and benefit from as well through, through hockey. So before we get into that, as always, uh, whether you're watching, we are doing the show Mondays during the day, so whether you're watching us live or on the replay, we really appreciate you interacting with us. We love uh, the likes, the shares. Comment in, let us know you're watching, so, hey, thumbs up, or hi, hey guys, let us know that, you're, that you've watched. Uh, we really, really appreciate that. Share it if you like the episode. We're happy that this episode gets shared uh, way beyond our junior ring families. I think we had a uh, over almost 2,000 views on our first episode. So uh, we love that if it, can, if it can bring value to other people, maybe even in other states or countries, um, we really appreciate that as well. And as always, entering your questions, um, and then we'll try to bring those questions to our show each week, and it, it, you either give, answer your questions in the comments or uh, pick one of your questions and feature it live on the show. So please uh, interact with us. We really, really appreciate everyone that's been doing that. It's been really enjoyable for us. So uh, the way we're going to start off today's show, last just a just a bridge here. Last show we talked about the announcement of the Declaration of Principles uh, from the NHL, USA Hockey, Hockey Canada, all the, a, a ton of major hockey organizations. Declaration of Principles of what hockey is. This is hockey. Thank you, hockey, and all the amazing impact it can have on people's lives beyond the game. And we started to share how that connects with our club's mission and vision for what we want to do and why we're here, and also down to the personal stories of our staff and our players and our families. So what we're going to do to start today is uh, Paul has a really powerful story to share with us from his upbringing. He did put it on, we put it on the Facebook page um, and we're going to have Paul read his story and then I'm going to dig in and really get him uh, to expose us some of the, the great things and the challenging things that's happened throughout his hockey career because I know that that journey and that story we know it will really help uh, our youth coming up. So Paul, I'll kick it over to you to share your story with us. And I, want, I just want to say I really appreciate, Paul, that you will to be you know, vulnerable and share some of the painful things and positive things from your youth hockey journey. It's easy to say like, hey, I played pro hockey and I'm this awesome hockey superstar. Maybe a little bit harder to talk about some of the painful moments from, from your youth. Yeah, thanks, Ben. And I think that's part of why I want to share it is because everyone looks at the finished product and not actually how you got there. And I think yeah. that's the critical thing in the vehicle we have here in the platform is is understanding the process, right? We talk about that in the journey, and I think that's why I wrote this and it inspired, inspired me the Declaration of Principles, and it's inspired me to, to share more with people about it. 
and hopefully give some value back to people. So I'm gonna start it here. So at 16 years old, I was in the, in the front seat of my dad's car in Edmonton, Alberta, and I was in tears. See, I, I was just cut from my midget hockey team. And I was wondering to myself, like, why? Why is this happening to me? Why did this happen? And you see, I, I, I didn't understand because I thought I deserved to be there. I was a good hockey player. I worked hard and my dad was a career coach. I had all these things and hockey was my life. And this midget coach told me I was no good or I wasn't good enough for this team. And I was so disappointed. I, I, I was disappointed in myself. I thought I was disappointing other people. I was wondering you know, what my dad thought of me, what other people, I was always concerned with everyone else and their thoughts. And I wasn't, I, 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 I felt I wasn't good. And it was this one coach that told me I was too small to play. And it wasn't only that I was cut from the team, it was how they did it. So I, I want to read this to you. So the quote was, and I remember this for the rest of my life, was... You're 16. 16 years old, just cut from my, from my midget team. All my friends made that team. Right? All the friends that you played on the same team as the, the year before. before. And... Did you have a successful season the year before? I was coming off being the top scoring defenseman in BAM AAA. In the whole league. In the whole, in the whole yeah. league. <laughs> so, yeah. so, and the coach said to me, one coach said to me, the head coach of the midget AAA team said, you're too small, you'll never play a high level of hockey. Right, and those, are, those, those were powerful. And I remember talking to my dad's car, talking to my dad in the car about that in tears. And, and I didn't understand what, what I was, like, what I was experiencing. And I talked to him about, I don't remember exactly what the topic was, what we talked about in that car. But he made me realize that one person's opinion wasn't going to define me and wasn't going to end my story in hockey. Um, so that's, those things will always remember, I'll always remember. And in, in, in the piece I wrote, I talked actually about thanking the coach for this. Yeah. So I'm going to read a little bit to you. So it says, thank you, coach. Thank you for cutting me and telling me I was too small and I would never make it. These words forever changed my life and taught me so much. This is the reason why I really believe I did make it. I made it in hockey. It inspired me to prove the coach wrong. It inspired me to play college hockey, graduate from Brown University. It inspired me to play six years of professional and it inspired me to get into coaching. It inspires me still today to give back to make impact and make sure I give my all every day to impact kids in our organization and beyond. Um, thank you to hockey. Thank you for teaching me life lessons of hard work, perseverance, grit, teamwork, integrity, humility, honesty, perspective, gratitude, accountability, and so much more. Through the, win, through the ups and downs, the wins and losses, the successes and failures, I'm thankful that I've been part of this great game. It's not a right, but a privilege. Remember, I was in that car in tears at 16, five seconds away from quitting hockey. I was this close because of one person's opinion on my ability. Thankfully, with the guidance of my dad, the belief in myself from my support system, it made me pick myself up and it inspired me to make a change and, and, and follow my dreams of proving this one coach wrong and that's changed my life forever and it's been able to give back to the game and all the people that I've had in contact and it's, it's changed my life. And Paul, tell, tell us, tell the viewers, obviously we've known each other for a sure. while um, and I know more about your background, but tell, 
some of the, what are some of the experiences, because you've made that decision, I'm going to come back to this a couple times, because you made that decision to stick with it, yeah. what were some of the things that came from that later on down, from immediately, but also down the road in your hockey career? I, I think the first one is struggle, pain. You know what I mean? It wasn't easy, right? And that's what everyone, like we talked at the start, is everyone thinks it's the finished product. Oh, you played professional hockey, played college hockey. And I, that, those are all great dreams and goals, and I know a lot of parents have those dreams and goals. But the road to get there is bumpy. <laughs> and I think that's why I want to talk about it. And it really starts when I first started hockey and my love for hockey. You know, I, I, my dad was a career coach for 25 years, coached all over North America, junior, college. And, you know, I started skating when I was two years old. I had the little double runners on my skates. And, uh, you know, every day he'd come home from work and I'd have my helmet on yeah. and I'd go, hockey dad, hockey dad, hockey yeah. dad. And he would play with hockey with me either in the basement or outside. And I grew up with, you know, the, going to the outdoor rink every day. My dad out there in the freezing minus 30 weather in Edmonton, flooding the backyard, yeah. making our own rink as well. And it was the, that where it all began was my love for the game and he, he provided the opportunities but he never forced me yeah. and he provided that that platform and, and those experiences if i wanted to take them and that first that love of the game was what what got me to and hear. that's why it was so painful right because <laughs> hockey was like you said was who you yeah. are it was a part of your identity yeah and here you are from something that is your life you feel you you connect with your dad on it as you're still a kid at 16. Yeah. it's who you are it's you're dreaming of playing pro you're dreaming of college hockey junior hockey and then all of a sudden you're considering quitting and then where's your well then who are you at that point? right and that and that's this that's the risky thing about letting sport define your character mm -hmm. instead of who you are should be defining you know, not what you do, but yeah. who you are should define you're you. You're tough and that you're hard sure. working and that you're passionate, right? These things, but you, and you were those things through hockey, but you didn't necessarily at the moment maybe, maybe realize that. Um, tell us about, just before I come back to it. So be, if, if I would have told you back then in that moment that you would go on to play four years at Brown <laughs> University, graduate, graduate from Brown, be an all-star defenseman at Brown, Play in the professionally for six years, like I said. Do you think that you would have been able to, been able to comprehend that in that moment? Well, no. I was like, I was going to quit hockey, yeah. and I was actually going to play tennis. So yeah. I was a multi-sport athlete, and I was this close. It was, it was, you know, early September during the hockey season, and I was going to quit hockey and take up tennis. And through that conversation in the car, and I don't remember exactly what it was. You know, I talked to my dad the other day about exactly what it yeah. was, but it was just the realization that. It doesn't have to be the end of the road for you. Everyone's path is different. Yeah. And all these paths are going to be bumpy and there's going to be things that we have to persevere from. And that was understanding that not everything's going to be perfect in, in hockey and in life was what I needed. And it's hard when you're 12, 13, yeah. 14, 16, whatever it is. Um, but we need to continue to do that. So have you ever gone through in your head um, what, your, what your life might look like if you, if you had quit in that moment? Yeah, that, and that's an interesting thing, right? I, I think I was, I think I've always, I think my dad and my mom instilled in me that hard work and perseverance was critical. And, uh, but geez, I've, I've been able to go to Ivy League school and graduate with an economics degree. Uh, I've been able to travel the world, live in different cultures. I've been able to inspire and give back to young kids, which is really what's, I've really come to understand that's 
my purpose and my mission is is giving back to kids and giving them a great experience. So I I guess I don't think about it now yeah. because I, I I learned that it's nothing's going to be easy and nothing's going to be given, and and that's that's the giant life lesson of all this is that perseverance. You know you can can fight through anything if you're willing to work for it. And I think that's what was instilled in me with these challenges. And well, and the interesting thing is, so this is, this is one particular, uh, maybe a key turning point in your story, on your journey. Yep. I'm sure there was stuff before <laughs> that, and I know there's stuff mm -hmm. after that. So uh, tell our viewers, uh, because I, ultimately all, all players, who come, yep. no matter if they're the most talented, they're the biggest, the smallest, the strongest, the fastest, the weakest, Right now, they're going to go through some of these ups and downs regardless, right? Whether it's injury, a coach, a yeah. level, a team not winning, a team winning, all these things. Was that the end of your struggles? Was that well, the end of your Well, no, it, it, so that was about September of that year when I was 16. And January, there was another obstacle. So I, so I ended up, what happened was I ended up, um, through my dad's connections, I ended up um, getting to practice with a junior hockey team. So, so you weren't playing any games. So I, well, here, and the story is that I said, you know what? I'm going to just continue to practice with this junior team. I drove 45 minutes every day to go practice with this team, and I was going to play tennis, and that was the solution. Uh, at that point, there wasn't another midget team because of the districts. I wasn't able to go anywhere else because yeah. of all the league rules. Yeah. So I had, this is the source I had to make. To make. Um, so what happened was that I, I, stayed, I stayed with it. I practiced with that team, and then I ended up getting to – they had a bunch of injuries, yeah. and I ended up getting to play 15 games. And then January 10th came, and they had to decide on who they're going to keep on the roster. And I thought I deserved to be there after playing 15 games and actually having some success. And then once again, I was cut. Yeah. <laughs> so it happened in January. Yeah. And, and I was able, because of the relationship my dad had with the coach, um, he actually coached the coach uh, named Gord Thibodeau back when my dad coached the university. Um, but that was a tough decision, I'm sure, for Gord. I ended up staying on the team and just practicing the rest of the year. So I only, only ended up playing 15 games that year and traveled every day and out 45 minutes there, 45 minutes back just to be able to practice. So once again, that was another obstacle where I thought I, you know, I had a bad situation, found a better situation. Now I'm saying, well, you're not quite good enough yet. And that was another thing I had to face again. What were some of the things, and you, you talked to your dad recently about this, what were some of the things with him, maybe his approach with you um, that allowed you to so you had this first obstacle and and you were able to you kept going You had another one in that same year So it's cut twice in the same year Maybe it was I don't know if it was easier or harder at that point as it happened again to deal with What were some of the things that you think with the way that his approach was with you that allowed you to, to get through that? Well, I, I think the interesting thing is I you know my dad coached in the area right and was a university coach and sometimes you feel like that's gonna be leverage for you and be able to help you got all these connections, right? And sometimes that works, but other times, as you can see, that I got cut, I got opportunity, I got cut, it didn't help at all, right? And I think it was that what, what made me going, made me keep going, was coming back to, well, do you love hockey? Yeah. And the answer in through all these ups and downs was yes. Okay, so what are you going to do about it? How are you going to get better? How are you going to get to a point where they can't say you're not good enough or you're not on the team? And that's what... That inspired me, and that you know that still drives me today. So what I'm hearing you say, what I'm hearing you say is that you took the responsibility away from other people over your hockey career. Not is my dad going to help me get there? Yeah. Is this coach going to take me? Is this someone going to give me an opportunity? And you actually turned it as a 16 year old, which is that's a pretty that's pro, you know a pretty paramount moment in your life to say, 
some point through that process, maybe the first time you got cut up, the second time you got cut up, <laughs> some point there you decided, I'm going to take responsibility over this, over my hockey career. It's going to be up to me whether I make it, what am I going to do, how am I going to get better, and it's going to be on, on me. Right, ownership. Right, I think that's what it is. It's taking ownership of my development and knowing that if I if I have a dream and I have a goal, and at that time my goal was to play college hockey, play professional hockey. Well, no one's going to do it for you except you. And it was looking in the mirror every day and saying, "Hey, do you really want this?" And I knew I had to. I had to do it. No one else. Was, my dad's connections weren't going to help me. Yeah. Being five foot nine, one hundred and sixty yeah. pounds wasn't going to help me. But what, what can I do to make my, I knew I couldn't change my size, I could get stronger, I can work harder than everyone else, I can compete harder than anyone else, I can be, I can have the best skills, I can be smarter than everyone else, all these things that things I knew that I could. control it, the things that you could control. Totally, and, that, and that, was, that was what, you know, my dad helped me understand that it was, it was on me. And I could sit here and blame everyone else for where my situation is, but having the awareness, the self-awareness of, hey, you have a dream, We'll go get it. And, and, and knowing, let's start and build and go through that process and earn it, it was, was critical. And, and then let's take to the, some of the next steps then. So sure. then you, you end up moving on to play junior, junior hockey. Yep. Tell us maybe some other challenging points, whether it was through junior, going, you know, going to play in college hockey, and then moving on from there to pro. I'm sure there was this, <laughs> the theme that could, right? Any player that's played it, that, that's, it's anything in life. Anyone that's made it to a certain level of life has gone through these these moments, right? Where other people have quit and others have kept going. Yeah. So that that so the next year uh, when I started, I I, I was on a, a team called Sherpa Park Crusaders, and it was actually with the same coach that brought me in the year before. So it was a good setup. Everything was going great. We were doing well as a team. I was having a good rookie season. Halfway through, coach gets fired. Right away, the guy that brought me in, the guy that you know that I, that believed in me for what I brought to a team, fired small right away. Small defenseman. Yeah, yeah, small defenseman. So fired, ownership change. Uh, then I got traded, <laughs> just like that. Junior How hockey. How old were you at this point? I was seventeen. Seventeen. So right the next year. Yeah. So I was traded. I was put. I went to another team. It was a different situation where the coaches didn't really understand what type of player I was and how effective I could be. And I was behind a couple other guys. I was, I, you know, my, my type of play was I was more of a power play defenseman, offensive defenseman, and you know I'm playing against guys that are six foot two, two hundred and thirty pounds, trying to take your head off, and I'm a five foot nine, hundred sixty pound skilled defenseman, um, and that brings me back to my, you know, youth hockey when you know everyone was trying to change me into a forward, yeah. and I face that off all the time, and the one of the great things my dad did was, he knew at that age when I was younger. 6, 7, 8, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, the position didn't matter. What mattered was the ice time. And at, at how that setup was in when I grew up in Edmonton was there was always more forwards yeah. and no one wanted to play defense. Yeah. So he, he, he always told me, hey, play D, play D, play D. And I got that extra ice time in games, that extra experience. There wasn't model associations with limited roster size and equal <laughs> playing time, right? It was, yeah, it was three, line, three or four lines of forwards right. and then... Yeah. Exactly. So, so I, I so I, that was a great, you know, that's one of those lessons that I probably sometimes I take for granted was, but him putting me at defense, I was able to develop and see the whole game, but I was going to get that critical ice time. And sure, it was challenges when I got older, right? Because who who wants a five foot nine? It's different times too. There was if you were under six foot as a defenseman, yeah. I mean, to play a high level was it was luck. it was unheard of, right? right? Yeah. It was unheard of at this, you know, it's changed a little bit now. Um, but you know, I was traded from that one team. 
and then I went to another team, got traded again, and then got traded again, and then finally landed on my on my 19 year old year after playing three years of uh, junior hockey back on the- And having to go to different, like probably further from home and things yep. like that. So yeah. I moved away a couple hours away from home, lived with the billet family. Um, you know, one billet family had, weren't feeding me, like- you know, Trying to reconnect. Okay, you're back. Okay, uh, well, we had some technical difficulties, we're back. Yeah. So I, I, I had to change billet families. I wasn't get fed properly. You know, my mom was a mess because of that. I was away from home at 17, 18 years old. I uh, had to work through that. Mm -hmm. And then finally, in my 19-year-old year, I got back on a, another team, uh, Lloyd Minster Blazers, with my original coach. Uh, he traded for me again, uh, Gortibo, he got a new job. And that year, after three and a half years of playing junior, I ended up being uh, the top scoring defenseman in the league. Mm -hmm. After I went on multiple teams where it didn't fit, didn't work out, I was cut, all these things. And man, if I didn't have that love for the game, yeah. it would have been really easy to quit. Yeah. Right. And uh, and that that was just junior hockey. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. And, and and how often do we see that? We know we know the sad stat about yeah. three out of four kids quit sports. Sports all together, not just hockey. Quit sports altogether by the time they're in high school. Yeah. And because it's not fun, pressure from adults, playing time. These are all the things that we hear. Um, and some of these things, from an organizational perspective, we can we can control. We can create create an environment being in the U.S. Hockey Model Association with playing time and roster sizes and some of these things and the approach with kids. But a lot of it comes down to, like you talked about, having that love for the game internally and having control over of the individual that no matter what the what the obstacles are, that you keep going. Because like you said, it could have been very, I mean, how many different times could you have quit right. just in that period? And then you could have just been a kid who played hockey semi-high level at some point and that's yeah. it. And well, it worked somewhere else. And, that, and that's the thing. I should have quit hockey. I should, with, what, with what happened to you. Totally. So how many kids has that happened to? Right? A, a ton, right? I should have quit hockey, and I never should have went to, to Brown University, right? And, and that's the thing, and, and that's what changed my life, is going through all these experiences of the adversity, the ups and downs, the heartaches, and being able to persevere and take ownership of that and have guidance from your family mm -hmm. is what developed me and made me be able to play college hockey and play pro hockey and achieve my dreams. So then you get to Brown. So first of all, do you think without hockey, would you have gone to Brown University? <laughs> I know you're a smart guy. <laughs> I know you're a smart guy, but without hockey? So I was, a, I, was a, I was a very average student, okay. and um, I worked hard at it. Um, but You were you know, playing junior hockey also. But I was also time. playing junior hockey, mm -hmm. and, uh, and also I, I didn't like school. Yeah. Right? It wasn't fun, and uh, you know, I... I no question, I failed a couple of classes, but I was a very average student. And definitely without hockey, there was no way I would have been able to go to an Ivy League school. And then you get, so, so okay, so average student, maybe, who doesn't really enjoy school that yep. much, For sure. finally has a, a really a breakout year in hockey, so things are looking good. Yep. You, get to, you get into Brown for hockey, which is Division One school, Ivy League, yep. amazing moment to, to get into Brown. Yep. You decide to take business economics, I think, yep. I think it is. Um, so this big accomplishment for the event, but now, you're in Brown playing college hockey, which is practice every day at the ring, a couple hours a day, plus other working out, all these other things. And now you have to take on the Brown course load as well as an average student and be a hockey player. I can't imagine that was easy for you either. Yeah, no clue. Right? We, I had no clue. I was coming from Western Canada to the East Coast of the U.S., right? Yeah. Uh, Providence, Rhode Island, right near Boston. Uh, so it was a totally different culture. And the schooling was like beyond what anything I've ever seen. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I had to ask for help, 
right? And that's something I learned right away was that I needed help, especially, you know, in the schooling side of things. Um, and I had to get tutors and I had to figure out what classes I should take, what I shouldn't take. How do I get through this thing? Yeah. And so, cause I, I knew I wanted to play hockey and I, if I, if I didn't take care of my studies, I wasn't going to yeah. be able to play hockey. So I was asking those questions, finding the right people to, to tag along with, to, to guide me. And, and then the, that was one side of it. And the other side of it was the hockey thing. So in college, they don't just you recruit. You perform too, right? Well, yeah, yeah. they don't just recruit uh, 18 players and everyone plays in equal playing time. They're, we had 28 guys on the roster. 28, yeah. So every, and How many guys dressed? 20? Yeah, 20. So every day is you're competing for your job, and especially as a freshman. Uh, coming in right away, I was, uh, you know, it probably started as 8 to 10th on the depth chart of defensemen and only 6 play. Yeah. So again, so you have this great year, yep. right? Now you get into school, okay, you've, you've made it, you go yep. into school, you show up. Now you, you're not even in the lineup. Yep. You have to perform on the ice every day, compete, outwork other guys in practice, show that you deserve to be there, make sure you're able to stay on the team in the first place, then also try to get in the lineup because hockey is your passion. Yep. Throw on top of it this course load that if you don't do well enough in school, you're off the hockey team or you're ineligible, you flunk out of school, you got to go home, all this stuff, right? And you got to figure all this out. And... So now all these new challenges. So this is not, you, you made it to the next level, but it's not now easier. It's maybe even harder. Yeah, no, and, that, and that's the beauty of hockey, right? It gets harder. Right. And I knew, I, but I knew I could bring a unique skill set to the team. I knew I was recruited there because they needed someone to run the power play. They didn't have any offensive defensemen. But, okay, I could do that in junior hockey as a 19-year-old, but now can I do that at the Division One college level? Sure. And I knew I had to work as hard as possible. I had to outwork everyone. I had to compete every day in practice. I had to pee a pain in the butt again, you know, and compete yeah. against guys and make them and earn a spot and make them say, you know, you're not good enough. And, and I was lucky enough that I was able to play right away as a freshman and uh, establish myself as one of the top six defensemen. Um, and and, and the, the challenges still there were that we went two years and we had losing teams two years in a row. We had, we won two games, three games, four games yeah. each year. And we had, it was really challenging because we, we, we weren't, a good hockey a college hockey team so that that added a whole another ball of wax onto these challenges yeah and so let's fast forward to towards the end of the career sure. you, you you work through this all you're able to get your studies on track yeah. you're able to be a, a key player on the team a, a top player on the team yeah. take us through kind of the end towards the end and the team i think did better started doing better sure. as well and then that next transition after that too. sure yeah we, so we started as you know first couple of years really really hard times and won only a few games and by my third and fourth year, we ended up being a, a playoff team, um, lost in the semifinals to Cornell in our, semi, uh, in, our, in our final year. I was named as an All-ECAC, which was the league, the uh, Eastern Collegiate Athletic Conference uh, defenseman. I was all, named as an All-IB player, so saying my GPA was above a certain uh, number to, to be recognized as that. So I, I became, I hit the pinnacle of that yeah. as being, as the top scoring defenseman um, on the team, I was top scoring defenseman, five, top five in the league, and that was all great. And we had a great season. Um, but then, you know, we're still, you know, you're still managing your studies. Yeah. You know, I, I got to get these courses to graduate now. And then the next step was looking at, well, what am I going to do next with my life? Yeah. And so you graduated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you had the opportunity to play some pro right away, yeah. right? Uh, right, right in the AHL, right, which is one of the highest levels, uh, which were the rain, the right, the league, the yeah. rain is right. A lot of guys on NHL contracts and things right under the, the, the NHL. So tell us about that. Yeah, so I was I was lucky enough to sign a, a 
uh, amateur tryout agreement with Cincinnati Mighty Ducks. So the, duck, the Ducks. The Ducks organization yeah. back then, and I played five games uh, with the American Hockey League team while I was still at college. So I, I took off two weeks of college to go play five games in Cincinnati. Yeah. Had to manage my studies and still make sure I graduate. Did that, came back, and then I, you know, then obviously um, I started to train again for, during the summer. And then it was trying to find a, a pro contract because I know I still wanted to play and continue on. And, and that's, you know, another more challenges there to find yeah. a spot in the pro levels. Tell us just, uh, just for the last couple of minutes, we have to tell our viewers a little bit about that journey now into the pro hockey. So you, you, you right away you go into one of the highest levels in the game that again, no guarantees uh, after, after that there's, there's Europe, there's, different professional leagues in the United States and Canada, and you're finding an agent, I imagine, and all this stuff. So just tell us a little bit of your overview. Yeah, so I, I had an agent, and he was working for me, trying to help me find different teams and stuff. And initially, when you come from being a top-scoring defenseman in college and then playing some games in American Hockey League, you think, well, this is easy. I'm going to be an American League hockey player, and that's my career, right? Yeah. Uh, not even close, right? So I, I signed an agreement with, uh, with the Florida Everblades in the East Coast Hockey League, a two-way agreement with the Florida Everblades and the Lowell Lock Monsters American League. Okay, American League. But I was yeah. but it was one of those things where I was already assigned to Florida before I you know I went to camp for so five years. You thought minutes. you were gonna get a chance yeah, to course. play the HL. Of course, team. right? And now junior hockey is a real big business. Now pro is even another step up where it, it's it's you're just a number. And you know, there's contracts now, there's you know, the, all the trickle down effects. Based on, on who's on what contract, who gets Totally, right? So and that's not all done by merit there, unfortunately, right? Um, so I ended up playing uh, in the East Coast Hockey League, bounced around, went to the Central Hockey League, had a real big year in Wichita, was the top scoring defenseman in that league. Um, I got, I got as a small defenseman, I got, I got hurt a lot. I got, you know, hit for me high. I got bruised up. I got targeted. Time. If anyone's seen Slap Shot before, yeah, it, it was basically like that. And uh, there's, yeah. there's some crazy YouTube videos of me uh, uh, trying to survive. Getting out there. chased around by some crazy yeah, guys. and uh, you know, I, I have, you know, I had concussions. I have. You know, I have permanent issues with my neck and my back because of this. Um, because of all those injuries, I went over to Europe and played there for a couple of years in Denmark, Sweden, and Germany. Different style game. Different style game and enjoyed that. But there's challenges to that with the culture, integrating with the coaches, philosophy, all these different stuff like so that. So now you're going over by yourself to another yeah. country, not a main city or whatever, a small yeah. town, probably not a lot of English speaking, don't know anyone. Yeah. Different style of game. Coaches probably don't speak as much English even yeah. and deal with all that, right? Yeah, and those are all those challenges. I end up going through it for about six years playing in North America and Europe and then coming to the point where I knew I, I hit a point at my age where I knew I had to move on and I knew I wanted to get into coaching and uh, you know, just trying to figure out how I could do that right so basically what and I think I've told you the story was I knew you know my dad was retired and his connections weren't really gonna work and uh, so basically what I did was I, I emailed my resume and a cover letter and an introductory email to every person in hockey so every junior team, every pro team, every college team, every think of the league. Yeah. I emailed them my my um, my resume yeah. that I was looking for to get into coaching, and out of those six hundred thing, I think it was about six hundred. I maybe got uh, twenty responses. Yeah. Right, that's just how it is. That's the percentages. Yeah. And luckily enough, I how hockey is was timing sometimes. Uh, a, a, a guy named Nolan Graham who went to RPI that I played against mm -hmm. was coaching junior hockey in the BCHL 
and uh, he just lost his assistant, uh, went, to, went to college, and he was looking for a guy in September, yeah. and uh, I was able to hop in and start as assistant coach, assistant general manager in the BCHL, which is one of the top leagues in Canada yeah. for junior hockey, and it was a lot of luck, but it, you know, behind that story was those yeah. 600 emails. I sent those out, not my dad. Yeah. I did that every day, because I knew that's my passion and what I want to get so into. So this is the thing I think that's a key connection for people. Um, a lot of people see, okay, so they might see on our website, Paul played professional hockey, Paul went to Brown. Paul was a coach, and so that ended up, and that end ended up, you ended up being a head coach in the BCHL. So yep. that's the top junior league in Canada. Tons of players go on to play NCAA Division One, professional hockey, NHL, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They might see that. What they don't see <laughs> is all the stuff we just shared about the cut, traded, lied to, told can't make it, and then that all the stuff that we talked about. It's it's not a coincidence. That all that stuff that you did kept working at it, kept getting better, kept competing as a hockey player. Now, when you make that shift in life, you say, "Okay, my maybe my playing career is done, and I'm going to transition in my life to another place." Number one, you still have the love for hockey, so you want to be involved with hockey. Yeah. You know what you want to do, you know what you're passionate about. But look at the approach, right? 600 emails, willing to do anything, get your foot in the door. 20 responses, maybe of those 20 responses, you got probably went through a process with each of them. Sure. Trying to get it, how many people said no? How many people didn't give you a chance? Get a chance as an assistant coach. I don't even want to know how much that paid. Probably a few hundred bucks a month or something. You're trying to figure that out now. Uh, and then through that to become a head coach, right? In a junior league, riding the bus and trying to start a family and all these things, right? So I think we could go on and on, <laughs> but I think the key connection here again is this is what we talk about with hockey, with what we can get out of hockey. Without those lessons you learn in hockey, the approach, and I know that the approach you had with, with this job. Yes. Well, I, I got here because I was fired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, right. And 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 again, though, you were the effort you put into unturning all stones to put yourself out there to not worry about being rejected, to not worry about failure, to not worry about someone telling you no, to you know all these things to find the best situation where you believe in yourself. Right. How can can you imagine that you'd have any of those things without? experiences you've had in, in hockey. Right, and I think that's the message, right? So when, when I'm coaching now and giving back to kids and we have a tough game or a kid fails at something, it's, uh, you know, it's easy for me to keep the perspective of, hey, let's pick ourselves up, get back at it, keep working. I believe in you, believe in yourself, your parents believe in you, all these things that in the end we know if you work as hard as you can and you have belief and you have that support system, you can take it to wherever you want to take it. And that, and that's the message and that's important. Regardless of what the outcome is, regardless of what other people do or say, that if you don't quit and you keep at it, you can... Yeah, and, and not everyone has going to have the physical capacities of playing the National Hockey League or even play college hockey, right? But what can the game give to you? What can it give back and what can it teach you? And I think I'm a, I'm a testament of, man, the game taught me a lot. And without hockey, um, I wouldn't be here today, but I, I wouldn't be the same person. I wouldn't have learned... And develop this character and that grit and that perseverance and those life lessons I talked about before. Awesome. Well, thank you, Paul. We're, we went about four minutes over today. I think we could probably go another hour or two. But uh, thank you for sharing that, Paul. Thank you for being willing to share your, you know, your failure uh, and, your, and your success uh, and what, went, what you went through and, and be vulnerable and personal with that. And uh, as always, uh, if this story resonated with you, please share, like, comment, give us your questions, give us your feedback. Um, and stay tuned for each and every Monday at 2 p.m. Whether you're watching the live or the replay, we love your interaction and your, and your comments. And thank you for helping us uh, with our mission of being together, all stakeholders, coaches, parents, players, 
family members, administrators, rink owners, uh, the hockey community, that we can make youth hockey a life-changing experience. Thank you. We'll see you next week.